Good evening, Zachary. Nice to see you, Jackson. So, what's up? Um, just enjoying life. Been playing a lot more poker lately. Dude, that's good. I'm going to be able to play a lot more poker uh, than I have been in the next you know, coming months. So, really looking forward to it. Yeah. Not, that's not going to be my situation. So Yeah, I know. I'm going to be uh, out and about. Yeah. Uh, but I got a month of a lot of poker, so let's do it. All right. Uh, so another hand from that Cincinnati session, same, uh, same session as last week. So this casino, when there's two tables, they do a, you know, must move in a main game. Mm-hmm. So this is, I'd say about four hours into my total session and about 40 minutes in, into, uh, the main game. So at this point... I have a stack of around 1,200, um, and I've played for about two and a half orbits, and I haven't played a single hand besides calling once with pocket fives, <laughs> um, and then folding on the flop in like a five-way pot where I didn't hit a set. <laughs> so I'm talking a lot. I kind of have my more loose image, but I really haven't played a single hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the action was really good um but it was just very just like a lot of like tons of multi-way pots and it was people raising 15 to 20 and just so many calls um but i thought it would be even better for the game if there was a round of straddles so we haven't talked that much about like this on the show but i think generally unless you or the table is relatively short. Doing a round of straddles is just always good for the game. Uh, <laughs> even even though you lower your effective stacks, and like at a two five game, you end up effectively playing like two five ten, and your edge goes away a little bit in terms of the fact that uh, a lot of deep stack spots, like on the turn of the river, you're just not going to get into because the effective stacks are half the size. I think people the way recreational players over adjust to straddles and like the craziness it brings out in them makes it totally plus EV assuming you can get the table on board is generally how I feel. And especially if I have like more of a tight image, like at this point, I think it's a good idea to do, to do straddles to be able to try to get some value in the future. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think the adjustment of like, you know, playing a much wider range when the stack sizes get cut in half, uh, which is what most of these players do, uh, is a really poor adjustment. Yeah. And so I think that even though a lot of our edge comes from deep stack situations, that sort of fundamental adjustment that gets made, which is just totally counter to what should happen, is really good uh, you know, for us in the long run. Exactly. Long run. And, and in, my, in, in my experience, when like stacks are going across the table... That's just good for the game. Right. You know, then people feel like, oh, I can play this 3-4 suited because, like, people are going crazy and I might just hit two pair. Yeah, and, and then if the, if you know, if the money moves around, more money comes to the table, and the straddle stops for some reason, then you're playing deeper, and that also gives you an edge. Yeah. So, you know, just anything to drive action, I, I think is generally just a good idea. Yeah, so I, I was able to drive this action, and I was... Um, the first straddler in this round of straddles. Um, so 
at this table, it's a combination, kind of one, like, seems like very solid tag player, and then a combination of, like, older regs who are, like, somewhat weak tight, and then less old, you know, kind of, like, 40s, 50s um, regs who uh, were a lot more loose passive. And so far, I saw a few of them do some pretty crazy stuff post-flop. One made a big bluff, um, and just a lot of, like, really light call-downs. And showing up with some pretty marginal hands, even in raised pots. So, this hand, I'm in the straddle, and there are six calls to me. And based on the physical reads that I had, and the way that um, people were playing, I thought that with the exception of the kind of one older player to my left, who was in early position, everyone who had a real hand would raise. Um, so, you know, it's a pretty big general statement, but I think that's going to be true a lot of the time anyways, and I've played a little over two orbits. Mm-hmm. Um so I decided to make it 75 with the 10-4 of spades. So it's it's rare that I'm going to be doing this with such a, a wide range, but I saw at least half the players who um, limp the straddle limp fold a lot. And there were two players who limp called a fair amount, but I thought given the fact that I haven't played a hand... Um, even if they were to like limp call, I think it's going to be difficult for them to like, I'll, I'll be able to have some fold equity post lap, even though they're loose passive just because of the, the situation. So I think this is an example of like, Oh, am I really trying to like, you know, play out a position and bluff like a loose passive player? I think this is a good example of where it does make sense to do so. It's a very kind of specific example. And it's not something I recommend for someone to ever do unless they have like a, a really good sense of these kind of metagame dynamics. And again, I could be off here, but I think it was a, a plus EV spot for me to take and one that I don't regret. Yeah. I mean, it's it's sort of an any two-card spot. Exactly, I mean, it's, yeah. You might not be doing this with seven-deuce off-suited, but probably if it's plus EV with ten four-suited, it's plus EV with seven-deuce off-suited just because of the way the action is likely to go. And I, I actually agree with you totally. Uh... I think a squeeze pot like this where you're betting 75 is going to play like a three-bet pot. Yeah. Uh, And I think just generally in three-bet pots, people just play it really straightforward. So I think it's very likely you're going to take it down pre-flop. And I think that if you take, you know, one, maybe two players with you to the flop, you're going to have a lot of uh, fold equity, you know, a really profitable C-bet, and then based on board texture, you can evaluate with the two-barrel. And I just think that, like, you know, every bet you make it from this point on, basically until the river, depending on board texture, is probably just going to be a plus EV bet. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Uh, again, depending on board texture, I double-barrel, but I think, you know, on the vast majority of boards, I'm C-betting. Yeah. So the the older player in early position folds... Uh, two players next to I kind of thought we were going to fold, fold. And then a player, I think, in the in the hijack. This was kind of the loosest player of them all. 
and kind of talk the most. And so far I saw him already run a bluff. Um, and I start talking to him like, he's kind of like, he looked like he really wanted to call, but it was kind of clear by his, uh, facial expressions that he had a hand that he probably shouldn't be calling with. Yeah. So despite the fact that this is a squeeze spot, because his range is so wide, even though I have seen him being crazy before, I don't think he's likely to just blast off against me. So I'm just like, Hey, come on, this will be fun. Like I'm just trying to take it down. And then it looks like he really was just like, okay then. Huh? And called (laughs) and everyone else folds. So first there's something to talk about. Like, did it make sense for me to do that? (laughs) Yeah. I probably wouldn't have done that with your hand. Yeah. Just, I I just don't think you want to put the thought into someone's mind that you don't know that you could be bluffing. You know, I I think most players are familiar with a squeeze bet, like what that is. Yeah. But not all players are. This player definitely was. If you, I mean, you've played two orbits with him. Are you sure? I mean, again, this table is like all regs. Then he, then he probably does. Yeah. And they I all bet. knew, they pretty much all knew each other. But they don't necessarily know that you know what that is, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I just. They could just think I'm just kind of. I think that when you, when you, you're not giving away a ton, but you are giving away one that you know to squeeze bet is. Uh, and if they, if they weren't thinking that you might be squeezing, now they are thinking that you might be squeezing. So I just don't, I don't think it's a good idea to do that. Yeah. I, I think you're definitely right with the hand that I have. Yeah, I mean, if you have aces, then then I would say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, there were a few things going on there. One, I just like doing that shit. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's, you know, there's something to be said for having fun. Yeah, and the but the other is that I, I, I thought against this player it would look even stronger. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. I think uh, people have a tendency to be honest more than they realize. Yeah. Well, this player was definitely honest. Like, it was clear he was, like, going to begrudgingly fold. And then I'm just like, come on, play a pot with me. And then he's basically just like, okay. Okay, peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great for value. Yeah. Again. Because it's, you, it's, you really... But if we said that the, the bets on the flop were plus EV... I do think they're plus EV. So. But. So. It's high variance. Yeah, but it's high variance. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, I, I would, I'd love to play a pot with him even out of position. Mm-hmm. But again, I think, I think in this case, my, my hand is so, is so weak. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with what I said earlier, and I, I think you should try and get him to call. But I, I think if you think there's a chance he'll call without you giving away that information, then give him a chance to. Okay. But if you, if you were sure he was going to fold, yeah. And now you're just taking a higher variance line. Then yeah. Yeah. I mean, out of position with 10-4 suited, it's it's a little marginal, but no, I, I, I like it. Okay. Yeah. So so he calls. And and we're both we're both fairly deep, so I have about twelve hundred and he has about a thousand. Uh, so he calls a seventy-five, and then there's approximately sixty more dollars in there. So two ten going to the flop. And the flop is three, four, five. And he just starts staring me down super hard. So I'm thinking about his pre-flop range and what it looks like. I think we could take away all pocket pairs. Yeah. Um, 
So, and I've, and I've seen him play some pretty bad hands at this point. Uh, again, it, it's, the session's been a few weeks ago now. I don't remember specifically. Uh, but, you know, not just kind of bad suited connectors, but one gappers and, you know, so king x of... His range, the probably top of his preflop range is like queen 10 offsuit. You know. King jack offsuit. I don't know. That's probably the, the very yeah. top of it. You know, so I think in a, in a spot here, like, he can very easily have, like, 10-8 offsuit or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think on this flop, he has just a lot of, a lot of whiffs. Yeah. Uh, I also think he has maybe some ace highs. Some just, like, random, like, ace eight he decided to limp call with. <laughs> Um, and I don't think he's folding those. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't you don't call seventy five after being egged on and fold on a board like that with ace high. <laughs> In this player's mind, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if that's always true. I, I, I'm not ready to say he's calling like any ace here. I think I think for like a reasonable sizing, he is. You know, pots two ten. I think for like a little over hundred, he's calling almost any ace here. Again, this this is like it's it's kind of difficult to discuss this hand because I kind of just felt like I had a really good physical read on him despite it being early on in the session. You know, I thought he was just wearing his, his emotions relatively on his face. Yeah. Okay. Well, what? So, do you think there's value in checking here and trying to induce a bluff? So I think there's definitely value in that, and the question is if there's greater value in checking to induce a bluff. Or betting to induce a float and then a bluff? Well, I guess it... I mean, of course, it depends on the frequency you think he's going to be bluffing. He has a lot more hands to bluff you with mm-hmm. than to float you with. Uh, yeah. Because I don't think he's likely to float, you know, 10-9 offsuit. No, no, no. He's uh, but, likely to float ace highs and, like, you know, gut shots. Yeah. But... Do you think he's likely to bet with those same hands? Yeah. Then I would check. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to... I mean, I, I ended up checking. I just okay. wanted to kind of... Yeah. yeah. So I checked, and he bet 200 pretty quickly. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely like leaning towards a call. It's a big bet, but... I definitely also think it could be just like a let's end this bet, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think if we're going with our read that he's going to check almost all of his air when bet two, which is what we were saying before. Sorry, so you mean bet off his air? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would call, I think with this sizing, I'd probably call expecting to fold most a turns. lot of turns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, how, that's how I felt. So I called, and uh, so now we have 610 in the pot, and about... um, Mm. Oh, and mm -hmm. real quick, uh, I I agree he's probably not folding aces to any sizing, because I wasn't really thinking about the fact that he has a gut shot with an ace, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I I agree. I think that he's definitely calling bets of like 150, maybe even up to pot with an ace. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like an ego thing now. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he, he's not going to fold on the flop with any type of hand that could do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So we have, like, 610 in the pot and approximately 700 behind. Okay. And effective stacks. So the turn is a 9, offsuit 9. So, obviously, I don't really see any value in, like, betting as a bluff or anything if we're in bluff catch mode. So I, I check. Um, and he thinks for a little bit and goes all in. So, again, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the general the general rule that I abide by, that I tell my students, and that is pretty much true at the live uh, live poker, low stakes, is that these are just overwhelmingly value bets. Yeah. Uh, and people are so unbalanced that we can exploitably fold uh, sometimes much better hands than 10-4. <laughs> um, that being said... I just don't... I don't see that many hands that aren't straights that he would do this with. Yeah, I think it's very much polarized to straights like, and, like, error, maybe. I, he'd probably feel more empowered to do this with a gut shot than not. But, like, I feel like, yeah, he just, he he can't have a set based on the preflop action, I believe. Uh, so I think it's just a straight, you know? And he's not like he's a loose player, but he's not like the guy, you know. He's he's not like the guy from last week's episode, who's gonna have nine three or something, you know. Yeah, so he's you don't have to be worried about four or five suit four like five deuce suited. three. If I thought he would be playing deuce three pre flop, is a hand I'd be worried about, but I don't think he's playing any deuce three. I think the only value hand he could have that's not as straight as four or five suited, exactly. You know, yeah, and there's two. And you have a blocker. Oh, I have a blocker. Yes, yeah, so there's probably like one combo of four five suited. I forget the board, but it was if it was a dry board, then yeah. So it was then like one or two combos. Yeah, likely one. So probably just shrug and call. Yeah, it's just it's close because like it's like either a straight or not basically, but there's so many players where it's just always a straight. Yeah, but I don't think that. Yeah. This is one of the, those players aren't the kind of players who change their decision to fold to to call based on like you saying that you might be bluffing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like, describe this per, this player a little bit more. How old do you think they are? Um, say like late forties, early fifties. How are they dressed? Um, casual. Like business casual, not like, not like particularly like poor jeans. Like, okay, I don't know. And and he, and he stared me down the entire time. And even when I would like laugh and try to talk with him post flop, he was like not talking, even though he talked a lot in other hands. I would call. Yeah, that that definitely leaned me towards a call. I think a lot of players are a lot more comfortable talking when they have it. Yeah, for uh, sure. So that that was what ended up leaning me towards a call. Um, and he ended up having Jack Seven suited. <laughs> yeah, and you know, naturally, Banks on the River, the old Seven. <laughs> yeah, that's sick. Um, yeah, the table freaked out. That's funny. Sorry, man. Well. Yeah, I mean, I, 
having talked about it, I actually think it's it's borderline sort of a no-brainer call on the river. On the turn, yeah, yeah. Sorry, right, at the end of the... Yeah, on the turn. Never has a nine. Never has a five, six. Yeah. You know, it's really six, seven, mm-hmm. ace, deuce, two commas of four, five. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think lots of bluffs and apparently some really low equity bluffs. Yeah. I mean, he had he had two overs and a gut shot, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's just it's one. Just, it's it's a, yeah, it's guess. a weird spot because like I felt post flop was pretty standard. So I think I don't know. Like generally, when I'm like talking to my students, a lot of the times when they pick a spot that like oh I think I should be three betting with any two cards here, I usually disagree. You know, I'm usually thinking it. Even if it's a really good three betting spot, it should probably be a lot less than 100% of the time. But there was just something unique about the situation, given that I basically didn't play a hand in two orbits. Um, I'm very deep with a lot of the players. Um, and I felt that only one or two of them were calling. And the ones like could potentially call in this spot. And, and if they did call, I felt that their range was definitely weak. PCs would have a player who would raise with you know, pocket fives or, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I just want to clarify to the listeners, like, I think when you say you're deep for, for you, I think you feel like because being deep is just almost always going to be an advantage for you because you're just a lot more thoughtful about deep sack play and a lot less likely to make a mistake when the money gets all in. Yeah. But I do think there's something to be said that like, being deep really favors the person in position, and so squeezing oh, of out course. of the straddle. If you're if you're less confident about your play, uh, then consider being deep. You know, to be maybe a disadvantage, squeezing out out of position. Uh, but I think in in this case, it it is an advantage. Yeah, as demonstrated. Yeah, no, I mean, I even after discussing the hand. I don't know. I feel like I would probably have to use Poker Cruncher, you know, run some run some numbers to feel really confident about it, though. Because, because even if mm-hmm. everyone has a pretty weak range, there's still like so many people, and I'm going to be out of position. To everyone, like, uh, it, it could it could be bad pre flop, you know. But I, I just I just felt that if I were to get one, I felt it was unlikely for me to get a call, and I felt that it was really only two people who could have called, like one. In, when the oldest player at the table limped in early position, I think he generally doesn't have a good hand, but I think like occasionally he just has you know, a monster type thing. Yeah. Uh, but you can't worry about that too much. So I felt like if I were to get called, it was generally by a weak range. The question is like, how profitable is it for me to play against a weak range uh, that is definitely ahead of my hand? <laughs> um, and even if they, I have a skill advantage, they still have the positional advantage. So the only thing I really have here is just you know, a perceived skill advantage and stack depth, you know? And a rage advantage. Yeah. 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 No, I... I like it as played. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, for all all the listeners, this is not something I'm doing... I'm doing all the time. (laughs) But, yeah, I'm definitely not, not afraid to pull the trigger when I think it's plus EV. And... This was actually a spot where I generally look at my cards right when I get them, but I think for some reason, like, 
people just called really quickly before I had a chance to look at my cards. And then I remember just thinking like, oh, like I'm actually going to not look at my cards this time because right now I think I see a spot brewing that I can do this with any two cards. And I wanted to have the discipline. This is kind of funny. It's like the opposite of the way people generally use like pre-flop poker discipline. But I'm like, I don't want to look at my cards till it gets to me because I want to have the discipline to like decide that I'm going to make a three bet before I look at my cards if the spot's good enough. And that's what happened. Mm. So, so it wasn't any two decision, basically. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would have done it with like two, three, or seven, seven deuce. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a hand that you know can can win, you know, pots. It's it's really tough to win with like a hand like deuce three. This would have been a good flop for that. But. Yeah, I mean, deuce three. The nice thing about it is you're not super likely to be dominated. Uh, you're more likely to be dominated with a hand like 10-4. Uh, but the fact that it's suited gives you... It's a shit hand. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the, the worst the worst hands. Yeah, it's really down there. Yeah. Okay. Nice hand, man. Thanks. Hey, guys. Jack here. Recording from a plane just touched down in Cleveland, Ohio. Not a lot to report this week. But there's some new content up on the blog... And as always, send us your hands through our website. Uh, And good luck. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.